Gothic, Colorado was once a ghost town deserted by silver miners in 1880. Now it's home to a national laboratory called the Rocky Mountain Biological Laboratory, which hosts a number of scientists over the summer to conduct research. But the town has a year-round population of one, Billy Barr. Billy Barr is the town mayor, governing council, and to some, officially called the man. When he's not drinking tea, reading books, or watching movies, he measures snowfall twice a day. Through self-isolation and the desire to be alone, one man measured snowfall for over 40 years. His years of data collection gives climate scientists a clear view of our changing planet and has inspired numerous discoveries on our impact on the environment. Today, my guest is a woman in science who met Billy while conducting research at Rocky Mountain Biological Laboratory in Gothic, Colorado. Katie Grant, a PhD student at the University of Southern California. She's studying biogeochemistry, heavy metal cycling, and contamination in Gothic and on a global scale. Katie, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Describe driving into this town. Yeah, so the only way to get to Gothic, Colorado is through Crested Butte, unless you want to hike over the Rocky Mountains about 14 miles from Aspen. It's two women in a pickup truck driving down a seven-mile seven dirt road. Sounds like a country song. <laughs> and to your right is a meandering river called the East River, and to your left is a bunch of dense vegetation, so you can't see much until you reach the bottom and you actually arrive in Gothic. And then you find to your left is this massive butte that rises maybe 3,000 foot elevation above where we were. So a butte, what, is, is that short for beautiful? I mean, what is a butte? A buttes are beautiful, but it's not what it stands for. So butte is B-U-T-T-E. And it's a feature of a mountain that basically means the, the sides are steep and the top is flat. Regarding Billy Barr, when did you first meet him? Yeah, so we pulled in Buttes to the left, and you have about, the, you have the small town of Gothic, Colorado in front of you, which really consists of tops 20 cabins. And so we arrive ready to unpack and get settled in, and I was told to check in with Billy Barr in his office. In his office. So I'm picturing a receptionist, computer, a phone, and he greets you with a warm smile and water. Yeah, he's does largely all the administrative work. So there's a massive laboratory space. Um, and just across the dirt path from there is kind of the welcome center, for lack of a better term. And Billy Barr's office is in there, as well as a bunch of different classrooms or meeting rooms. And so you walk up the stairs, and I kind of knocked on his door lightly. I said, come on in, in a loud, bustling voice. I shook his hand. Hey, I'm Katie. I heard you're Billy, the man around here. He goes, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> and then proceeded to help me get settled into the new cabin. Sounds like a really nice guy. What what did he look like? I'm picturing a mountain man, Paul Bunyan. He has long, kind of gray-white hair. Sometimes was seen in a Canadian tuxedo, but most of the time wears his argyle sweater. Um, some, he's fashionable. Very fashion-forward and kind of collegiate sometimes. There's like a casual preppy look to him <laughs> and just about the sweetest man <laughs> I've ever met. 
What's a Canadian tuxedo? Oh yeah, Canadian tuxedo is um, jean pants. Jean pants. Jean jacket. In a jean jacket. Same color. All the same color. <laughs> so here in Gotham, Colorado, you have your cabins. And did you get your own cabin? I was sharing with about five other women. We had, I would argue, the nicest cabin. So yeah, hot running water. Not all cabins had that. We were lucky to secure a place that did. And then the only pitfall were the pit toilets. Um, so like an outhouse. Outhouse sort of situation, yeah. but pretty luxurious. And was there snow? There's snow. There was still snow? There is snow. Was this the middle of summer? Kind of mid-June. And so that was part of our campaign um, and research is that we wanted to capture the vegetation while the term is greening up. And so plants start growing as the snow melts and the snow melts, as you can imagine, at higher elevations later. And so we wanted to capture that greening up. And so you um, kept moving up in elevation as as time, your time went, progressed. Yeah. And was Billy helping you collect any snow measurements or? I wish Billy was on our team, but he's a pretty busy guy on top of doing all the administration work and doing his own data collection and learning about other people's research. He's setting up weekly cricket games. He's a cricket <laughs> enthusiast. Who gets to be on his team? I wish he played on the team. He is the official referee. The official referee. Yeah. He's the mayor, the governing council, the man, and the official referee. And he never tells people when he helps holds the elections so it seems to always work out in his favor <laughs> he votes for himself yeah. <laughs> and to back up a little bit how has billy Barr's research made an impact on the scientific community yeah it's really special he's a really unique wonderful human being who just kind of serendipitously collected snowfall measurements because he was bored but that really propelled climate science and and understanding how, how the earth is changing with increased carbon dioxide emissions. Mm -hmm. And so the first observation with this long record of snowpack is that we're losing a lot of snow in the winter yeah. months. And that's hugely important because we're in Southern California. That is our main water source, as well as all the states that are in between California and Colorado. Right. 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 That's yeah. everybody's water source and it's and it's being diminished. We need water. We need water. And so he really propelled us and many others to start looking at changes the earth is going through as a result of climate change. Yeah. I watched his segment with NPR and one thing he mentioned is that we are getting snowfall later. Although at times it could be more, it melts faster. So there were seasons where... Yeah, so it's a matter of how we, how much time is allotted for that snowpack to infiltrate the ground. So replenishing the groundwater resources, they're a very dynamic cycle. And so understanding that is important. How does Billy Barr's research connect with your research? And we're taking more of an ecological kind of framing it in a more ecological sense, right? So vegetation and, and forest health, what does that look like? Carbon stocks very much aligns with what really Barr's research is doing, maybe not in snowpack, but where is this carbon being stored? How is it moving in the system through soil? How is that all recycling? Is it being buried? Some would argue is a really great thing for taking carbon dioxide. Yeah. 
out of the atmosphere. And one really great thing about our project is that it spans so many different fields. So it really was an interdisciplinary effort. It took 20 plus researchers, senior researchers, from all different fields, geobiology to ecology to geology and everywhere in between. And so how do you speed up this process? Billy has a record that spans 40 years and it sounds like it took a while for the scientific community to say, hey, there's something happening here. Are you speeding up this process so that humans, we can understand our impact on the environment? Yeah, the hope is that we are. and. What was unique about our project is we used remote sensing. Remote sensing. Right. So there are many different types of remote sensing. Ours was uh, using an airplane. Um, an airplane? Yeah. Was Billy flying this airplane? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can picture it right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, was this part of your team or did you have to hire somebody outside? To yeah. Fly this airplane. So there's the National Ecologic Observational Network. It's a government-funded program that we ended up contracting out. Okay, so it's not free. It's not free. It's about a quarter of a million dollars. Quarter of a million dollars for the entire month. That's expensive, but uh, yeah, for about three weeks. Three weeks, quarter of a million dollars, and they fly over once, twice. They fly over, so we set up flight lines um, the, at a thousand foot elevation above the land surface. The plane can only capture so much space beneath. And so they flew multiple flight paths, just kind of lines back and forth with two laser slash detectors attached. And so these lasers, as they were flying down, these lasers would be shooting down, hit whatever is on the surface below them, whether that be tree canopy or ground or water, and those lasers, that light or energy got reflected back up and the detector captured that. And it gives us two measurements that are incredibly useful. The first being topography and the second being spectral data. Okay, so topography, that's just the change in elevation. Correct. What spectral data? Yeah, spectral data. So you think of the visible spectrum for us, yeah, light like, that we can see. Okay, like a Pink Floyd cover album, That's Dark Side of the Moon. Spot on. Okay. Spot on. So picks up everything in the visible light, but also picks up infrared and thermal infrared. So short wave infrared and then thermal infrared, which is the longer wave. Okay. And all of this gives us information about forest health. Um, about leaf chemistry, about nutrients, and even some insights into what's happening subsurface. Wow, so it goes deep, pretty deep. We can, in, we can infer by the leaf chemistry what is happening. What's sub happening subsurface. Subsurface, wow. And this is really important for the earth and also for humanity in terms of us living here on this planet. But uh, you said you were doing research in heavy metal contamination. And your field work at Rocky Mountain Biological Laboratory was just outside of a silver mining town. Uh, what is heavy metal contamination? Yeah, heavy metal contamination comes in many different types. I think one that we're all familiar with is the drinking water uh, contamination in Flint, Michigan, that lead mm. contamination. 
where there are really serious health hazards to humans or any living thing that takes up that water. Yeah. The area of study, we were studying four watersheds, but one particular, the Coal Creek watershed, is the drinking water for Crested Butte. Hmm, I see. Along that watershed are largely abandoned mines from the 1800s. So you would think, you're in the mountains, this must be pure water, but really, it's not. It's so funny. A lot of people, it's a common misconception. The water is clear and looks pristine. And then you have some mucky water, you know, you think Gold King Mine. Yeah. Now, the Gold King Mine was when the river turned orange. Orange, yellow. Iron. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so oftentimes the clear water is. Worse, it can be worse for you. Yeah, wow. What are some of the hurdles that you see? Right, so my job largely as a scientist is to provide the information. It is the people's job to make conscious decisions about what you're purchasing. And I know it's really- It's hard. It's hard, it's hard, especially in our day-to-day -day life. Like, right, we're all in school right now in some way, shape, or form. and. Um, and you need a computer. You, you kind of yeah. need a computer for that. And so video conferencing and all the rest of it. Yeah. And so there are questions though to be asked. Do you need the next generation iPhone? I would argue no. Some people would argue yes, but if you're going to buy that next generation iPhone and a new phone every single year, you need to be thinking about the people who are affected by these mining operations. At the moment we need mining. Can mining reduce their impact or Absolutely. does mining just have to be eliminated altogether? I would prefer it be eliminated altogether, but that's not, <laughs> that is wishful thinking. So no, there are many steps that mining in industry as a whole can do. Because for them it's expensive. Remediation is expensive, Re yeah. but boo-hoo. <laughs> so your job, you're providing the data and the people then make the choice. What are some of the other hurdles you see in your profession and the scientific community? One particular that I see in earth science, it is the, out of all the sciences, the least diverse science. Overwhelming amount of men. We have at USC, we have about 40 professors, four of which are women. Um, and then going even further is people of color are not represented at all in our department. The scientific community also needs more diversity. Uh, from what you're saying, we need more women in science and more diversity. Yes, yeah, and I think some departments are doing a better job than others. I mean, shout out to Stanford, just amazing people all around. I think uh, what Kate, Ma Kate Maher, right? She's a... Uh... It's just kind of at the forefront of change and promoting people, um, underrepresented group to come up in so the science world. For our community at UCLA, what would you say to a uh, woman who wants to become a scientist? We can do anything. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And what are some of the steps they should do, uh, take to do anything? My, From my personal experience, it's really talk to people. And I know that sounds so, so cliche and I'm actually super nervous at networking. I'm terrible and I'm the person who's oftentimes in the corner at a conference, like, please don't talk to me sort of thing. But you put yourself out there more and more often and eventually you find the people who click. 
don't force it. It will come and you'll be surprised at how kind and how much people, the right people, want to bring you up. There's a lot of opportunity here. And Katie, thanks for coming on the show today. If you have any questions about becoming a scientist, uh, feel free to contact Katie. Totally. At, uh, University of Southern California, Katie Grant, PhD in biogeochemistry. Thanks okay. again. Yeah, thanks for having me.